the Delta Ray. Finally off the uh, interstate, the uh, driving battlefield. I wanted to talk, this being my first Hacker uh, Public Radio podcast, I wanted to talk about something that's like a story that I've known about for a long time and, and I'm not sure how well it's been recorded or written down. It seems like there's a lot of stories like this that they go untold for a long time and then somebody tries to write it down and they get the facts wrong a little bit and then that story gets quoted and then, you know, sooner or later we have all the facts wrong about what really happened. So I thought it would be a good thing to to at least tell everybody what I saw, at least from my point of view. It might only be half right. It, it seems to be what really happened. Basically, it's, it's a story of how we have transparency on the desktop. You might think that it's kind of a weird thing to talk about, but it's actually one of those moments when free software was very innovative, open source community. Actually, back then, we we didn't call it open source yet. The open source uh, movement hadn't really started yet. It was, it was still called free software. But back in about uh, 1997 or so, there were a lot of a lot of people learning about Linux, uh, getting into computers, open, you know, free software, open source software, gears were turning in a lot of people's heads. A lot of the things that we take for granted now are being planned out and, and uh, written for the first time. So back then, there was a very popular... Uh, you know, people used Xterm for their, their terminal windows, for their shell windows, but there was also another popular one called RXBT that people would use, and that had a feature that allowed you to set the background on it to whatever you wanted to. You know, it could be a... I think it would accept uh, XPM um, graphic files by default, but you could also give it like a JPEG background. Uh, maybe even a ping background, although that might not have been until later. Um, so anyways, people were setting their backgrounds with the terminals, you know, that was back when everybody was trying to show off their desktops and took screenshots and, and wanted to show things that you could do with things like the terminal. So Rob Mauda, a.k.a. Uh, Commander Taco, of Slashdot fame, uh, on his personal website posted a, a screenshot where he had taken RxVT and made the background of it a an image that lined up with his desktop background, um, although the the image that he used was tinted a little bit. And so what what it made it look like was that his RxVT window had a dynamic background that adjusted with the uh, his desktop background. It made it look transparent, like the window was, had a transparent background somehow. Um, apparently, a lot of people wrote him and asked him how he did it and, and stuff. He, all he had done was taken, you know, the image and lined it up properly and, and made a screenshot, you know, to make it seem like it was a, a transparent, uh, dynamic transparent background in the RxVT window. Um, 
just a, a normal image. But that didn't stop people from going out, taking the source code to RxVT, and starting to tinker with it and make it so that it could do dynamic backgrounds. Um, and pretty soon we had RxVT and then uh, A-Term. There's probably a few other terminal programs that started being released that were based on RxVT or other terminals that started having these transparent backgrounds that were based on the desktop background. Um, it's not like, it wasn't like uh, what we have now where we have alpha transparency and you can see windows behind it. We didn't, we didn't quite have that yet. But uh, in its first phase of development, it would show the background behind, on your desktop. So, you know, you'd move the window around and, and your background and your terminal window would change accordingly. And this got people, I think it got a lot of people excited about the possibilities that you could have with, uh, with visual effects on a desktop. So, right around that time, there was also a, a very uh, exciting looking and up and coming window manager and desktop environment called Enlightenment that was pioneered by Rasterman. Uh, Rasterman was a developer that was looked up upon quite a bit for his um, ability to code very neat visual effects and, and uh, do the hard work that was necessary to make it all work. Enlightenment back then was kind of light years ahead of other window managers. They were, as far as the visuals go, they were, that was the first window manager that, uh, that I remember seeing where the windows could be shaped. Um, if you remember the BOS, uh, BOS was probably, BOS might have been the first actual desktop environment where the windows were shaped. So you didn't have a window title bar that would span the whole width of the window. It only went like, you know, a fifth of the way across or however long you needed for the text. So Enlightenment took that a little bit farther and uh, made it so that you could theme your windows and the themes could be shaped so that you'd have a title bar uh, or, you know, decorations around the window that could be any shape and they would let the the image might be a lot bigger than, than what you're seeing, but the alpha transparency of the image allows you to see the windows behind uh, the decorations. So this this started a people started making fancy window decorations. One person even made something that was based on like aliens, where the alien was uh, up on the upper left hand side of the window and it was grabbing onto the window and it was like a really uh, complex window decoration. And then you start seeing stuff like translucency. Translucency being where you can see, you know, it's like semi-transparent. You can see the other windows behind the uh, decorations before you see the desktop background. Uh, so it's kind of like you have layers of transparency. And around this time, uh, probably around 99, 2000 or so, there started to be a, a new, um, so you have, you have X windows that, you know, every, everybody uses now, X windows. Uh, back then it was, what, it was X386 uh, was the name of the, the brand of X windows that a lot of people used. Um, now it's X.org. 
and so there was a competing windowing system um, that was starting to be developed called Berlin. Uh, Berlin, it, it never really came to full maturity, and I'm not sure where it's even still being developed anymore, but Berlin, the goal with it was to be lighter weight, or at least not have some of the, the bloat that X-Windows had grown over, you know, the, the decade or two of its development. So it was a completely new, you know, windowing system for Unix systems. And it had the ability to do alpha transparency so that you could actually, like, change the transparency of a window so it could be, like, 50% transparent. And behind the, if anything was behind the window, you could see through the window and see what was behind it, like another window with text or, or graphics or whatever, before you saw the desktop. So you didn't have a case where, you know, transparency just meant that you'd see the desktop background. It was it was true transparency, like we had, what we have now now. Uh, you could also do cool things like rotate the windows an arbitrary amount, text could be rotated, things like that. But I think, if anything, Berlin was, you know, a concept system that provided a lot of influence to people who were working on X-Windows and window managers alike, uh, probably providing a lot of inspiration for them to go out and, and try some of these new things. So I think uh, after, you know, during, also during the 90s, you had um, some Windows programs, uh, like on Microsoft Windows, like Winamp. Uh, Winamp started to have sophisticated themes that could, you know, have transparency in them and everything. But it seems to me like those themes didn't come about until after the transparency stuff started happening on Linux and on X Windows. Beyond that, we started seeing it happen on Apple platforms. We started seeing, even in hardware design, you started seeing transparency started to take a role, especially on uh, Apple. You know, their their sleek designs and everything started popping up in, in 98, 99. I think that just the collective community was able to come up with a push towards transparency all based on uh, people wanting to do transparency in their terminal backgrounds. At least that's that's how I saw it. That's that's the sequence of events that I saw happen. You know, there might be something else. It's kind of hard to watch the entire, you know, computer community and, and get the right sequence of events sometimes, but I'm pretty sure that that's the way it actually all played out and went down. Um, so now you know, you know, even if, even if it wasn't first, you know that there's, there's a more in-depth history uh, on the Linux side as far as the visual effects that you see today. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, we're always catching up. But in that case, that was something where we were way ahead of everybody else. And we were really thinking ahead and, and started to do some neat stuff that, that influenced other platforms. You know, now you have Windows, uh, Windows that are, you know, has transparency in its uh, window decorations and Mac has the same thing. And, and now we have like true alpha transparency with the compositing managers and, and so on. So that's the story. Uh, you know, if you, if you have any evidence to the contrary to, to counter contradict what I'm saying, then uh, feel free to 
just send me a line uh, comment on this podcast and and you know cite any examples you have that would uh, contradict it because it's it's good to get the story straight you know so that history is told right and all the people that deserve the honors of uh, being creative get that that honor you know the sto- the story of uh, how z- the zip format came about has been uh, blurred and confused and it's even cited you know it's it's told wrong on wikipedia of all places uh and the citations that they're giving try to you know make it look like what they're saying is right that john katz was the one who made the zip format but it was really tom henderson so you know but just because of all the confusion that happened around that time people got the story wrong and started running it down wrong and bad pr and everything led to it being you know, the wrong person getting the credit for the whole thing. And we actually give credit to the thief, you know, now, which is bad. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this uh, little history lesson. I look forward to giving you more. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRef projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.